Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. It's good to be with you today, and I just want you to know a couple of things up front. The month of September is big for us. Uh, We have a month-long golf tournament that is going on where you play on a USGA course of your own. You put together your own team, pay for your own green fees, send in a registration for us uh, or to us, and uh, you end up winning different prizes, and it's all on the honesty handshake on this thing that you send in the the right score for your team and you compete against other people from around the country. I mean, you can win like a, you know, I think on one of the flights, it's a Cameron Putter. Another one is a $750 gift certificate to uh, uh, Golfsmiths or whatever the new company is. And uh, the other one is a trip to um, Pebble Beach to play two games and it's uh, three nights of lodging play on their courses and its airfare from your city. And so you can find out about those at heartlightvip.events. It's heartlightvip.events. And another two things just to put on your radar, uh, in a week and a half, I've got a book coming out called Grandparenting Teens. And um, this is a perfect gift for your parents. Um, And... uh, they need it. If you want them involved in the life of your child to help you in some way, then take advantage of this book. The other book that I want to put on uh, your radar is, it's one called Where Stitch. Um, and it really is kind of a theological book in, in, in a way. I've always wondered when a dog dies, people make up all these stupid places that they go to, like they went to doggy heaven. Like, I guess that means there's a kitty heaven or a lizard heaven or uh, that just seems weird to me and childish. And um, or somebody says they crossed a rainbow bridge and I was going, well, I I don't know whether she did that or not. But it's interesting to me that uh, I'm 60 some years old and we've had 42 years of the same lineage of dogs uh, in our family. So the one that that sleeps between Jane and I at night it, at our feet uh, had a grand mal seizure and died, and and um, and we felt like we lost another child, and um, and so I wrote about that how we come up with all these answers and they're kind of ridiculous. Where instead of saying that you know maybe I don't know what the answers are, I don't know where she is. Uh, but I know she's in my heart. So I, I kind of put this, I had the idea when our dog died and um, someone did the illustrations on it. And anyway, I think it's a, a pretty neat book. I think it comes out in November, December. And so just for your radar. Hey, here are the questions we're dealing with today. Somebody said, my ex-husband is having a girlfriend spend the night when my teenagers are over at their house and they're wanting me to comment on that. I will. Uh, what should parents' stance on middle school on a middle school son having a girlfriend? I say no girlfriend. Uh, I'd probably say otherwise. Um, somebody else said our daughter's been homeschooled her whole life, and now she's eighteen, and she's following a girl that's 
a little promiscuous and not exactly the type of person we want our daughter to be hanging around. Uh, I, I think they want my comments on that. Here's somebody else that says, um, my daughter's 15 and my ex-husband tears down everything that I do to try to create a, a wonderful space for her. She's anxious and uh, she's been in counseling for a number of years, but won't talk about the bad stuff, but does talk about me, um, you know, and my bad parenting skills. Here is another one. It's it's my son struggles with bipolar and depression. He's 21 and he struggles with keeping a job and daily functions. Do you have some insight? Somebody else asked the question, my 15-year-old son's alienated himself from friends and only wants to spend time playing video games. We've heard this just a few times before, you think? <laughs> and it's mainly 15-year-old guys. Somebody else asked, how much tracking of my daughter's phone electronically um, should we do? Uh, where's too much? I feel like that we are super strict. She straightens up, and then when we give in, she pushes the boundaries farther and farther all the time. So those are the questions we're going to be answering. And just where you'll know, I just got back from um, El Paso. And when I did, El Paso, Texas, and when I did, I got on a tractor and I cut grass. And now my allergies are kind of messing up. And so I'm sitting here with a Kleenex in one hand and your questions in the other, sniffling and snorting as I try to get through these things, um, and so my voice sounds a little bit off, you're absolutely correct, because it, it sounds like it's coming more from my nose than it is uh, from my mouth. Hey, here's the question that says, my ex-husband is having a girlfriend spend the night with when my teenagers are over at the house. What should I do? I've told them that I don't agree with this, and I love them too much to do that, but anyway, I'd appreciate your advice. And And this comes from a a uh, young lady that I have known for over 40 years. And uh, she was in our youth group in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was a youth pastor. I was at a church for seven years, and and she was one of the main people. And so now she's asking that question. Hey, you know what? Here, here's my comments. There's really no reason to say anything. Once your teens are in those teenage years, they already know. They know what's right and what's wrong. They know what you support and what you don't support. So anytime that you tell them what he's doing is wrong, it's really just a waste of time. And, and I think the difficulty that it puts you in is that you have somebody kind of working against you in raising your kids, but you've done a wonderful job at being a parent, and you've done a wonderful job of pouring into the lives of your kids so that they do know the difference between right and wrong. And if dad's doing something wrong, they know it. You don't have to tell them. And, and I'd be careful in telling them that because it may be used against you somewhere. Um, even though it's your ex, it's still their dad. And, and what happens is they get caught in a tough position of being between the mother that they love and the father that they want to love and and trying to figure out both of those is just a tough spot for everybody. So hold to what you believe is true. Don't back down. If they ask questions, don't hesitate to, to answer them. But I don't think I'd go too far in, in, in making comments all the time when, when he's doing that. It, it's just one of those things that you don't get to change. And this is the, this is the craziness and the awfulness of divorce is that it sometimes pits kids against parents and parents against parents. I, it's just a mess. And uh, that's why I hate divorce. You know, everybody hates divorce. I haven't met anybody that says, no, we love divorce. We think that's a good idea. 
It's ridiculous. And um, I think this is just one of the aftermaths. And I'll tell you this, it'll pass. The impact from all of that will pass eventually and it won't really matter. Okay, here's the second question. What should a parent's stance be on a middle school son having a girlfriend? Um, you know, I, I, I can only tell you what I think. I, I can't tell you what to do because you've got to make up your own decision. But this is what I think. I think a 15-year-old boy, a 14-year-old boy um, is longing to have a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex. And there is something about that that's wonderful because there's no greater feeling that a young man can have than being cared for by somebody outside the family of his own peers. And and uh, and so I, I think that's important. But... This is where you have to keep things in check, mom and dad. Uh, Robin Williams said it once. He said that, can I say this? It says, God didn't give uh, young guys enough blood to operate their brain in there <clears throat> at the same time. And this is where parents need to come in and help a son think. And when they're not thinking, put up boundaries uh, and walls and a hedge around them where they don't go too far because left on their own, they'll, they'll take advantage of a young lady who may be desperate to have relationships because she lives in the same culture that is relationship uh, stumped, I would call it. Uh, I, I would really use, I would really use the word retarded, meaning that it's underdeveloped. The, the relationships they have are just underdeveloped and, and uh, so she may be desperate. He may be desperate because he's a typical 14-year-old boy. And, and, and I, I think that the challenge is for parents to be involved in the life of their child to give guidance and direction. Because here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want your, your son um, to fight for her and be against you because then you've lost all influence. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. And if you're offended that I use the word whatever, or I said something about Robin Williams, and you're missing the point, there is there's something that's uh, that's very truthful about kids and and that 14, 15 years age. I would engage with them and and encourage uh, relationships and and have fun with it and learn to sit back and laugh. Anyway, here's another question. Somebody said, my daughter's been homeschooled all her life, and and uh, now she's 18, and she's hanging out with friends that are somewhat questionable, and, and so we wonder what our stance needs to be on this. Um, our daughter has always been more of a follower than a leader, and she says we're being judgmental um, about this girl that, that she just hangs out with. Okay, I, you know, somebody called and left me a message this past week, and it's and it's interesting that they leave me a message, and and he said, I want you to know that on your broadcast that you did three weeks ago at at ten minutes and fourteen seconds, you made a comment that homeschooling is wrong, and uh, you couldn't be further from the truth. And if you'd like to talk about it, please give me a call, uh, which is neat. Uh, I'm glad that somebody feels comfortable saying that, but there's a few things wrong with this thing. One, I've never said that homeschooling is wrong. We homeschool all the kids at Heartlight. What I've said is isolation and lack of social uh, engagement is is what's wrong because these kids need to need the opportunity to socially engage with other people. 
And so I've never been against homeschooling, uh, never. The, the second part of it was uh, he didn't give me his last name. Uh, and the third part of it is he didn't give me his phone number. So <laughs> I don't know where to go with it other than always make comments that I'm not against homeschooling. But but here's the thing that I think is important, that, that when we shelter our kids way too much, and you can choose to raise your kids to live in a zoo where you can prepare them to survive in the jungle— when we shelter them too much, then they don't get indoctrinated to rejection or making decisions or being exposed to different things. I mean, just where you know, um, most people have a five-second rule when they drop something on the floor at the dinner table. At our house, we have like an hour and a half rule. You know, I mean, it's it may have a little bit of dog hair on it and stuff, but I mean, I go, I really don't care. And even though it's a COVID time, I don't like antibacterial soap. I don't use it because I believe that exposure has an amazing way— it has an amazing way of, of, of getting us used to the normalcy of the world. And by exposing my child more and more to um, the real world that they're going to live in, then it gives them the opportunity to learn how to deal with rejection and learn how to deal when somebody hurts you and learn how to, uh, to have a conflict between the values that they've grown up on and those biblical principles that they've embraced and they're trying to engage it with the world that's telling them otherwise. Okay, and, and here's the thing. I would much rather have those conversations at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age than I would at 20 years of age. Because what happens is you have somebody that leaves home at 18, now they're thrown into the big pond, and you have no control over them. They can do what they want, and you've missed out on the opportunity to influence them throughout their earlier years. I mean, you, you spend most of your time pleasing a child, then you protect them, and then you provide for them. And, and, and I think what Scripture tells us over and over again is that we need to train up our kids in the way they should go. And training means this, that I'm just not teaching them or protecting them. What I'm doing is exposing them, letting them make choices, and let them start to engage with other people so that the conflict that they feel that they and I can have a discussion and and bring to light, you know, perhaps here's where the the word becoming flesh and dwelling among uh, your child or out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. This is where you... You, you pour out the wisdom that you've learned to help your child adapt to the world that they're going to live in so they don't go off the deep end at age 18 when they leave home. So the question here, I, I mean, that's kind of the basis of it. So please hear that. I You know, I, what happens is a child doesn't understand that there's differences in types of kids that are out there. Or they haven't been confronted with seductiveness and flirtatious and promiscuousness, and they haven't been they they haven't been exposed to kids who are drinking or smoking pot. And so it's a shock to them when they do. My point is, if we get that over earlier, then we have plenty of hours, plenty of days, plenty of years to engage our kid differently. Because if not, if we say something negative about some of their choices once they turn eighteen and they're gone, they're going to think we're being judgmental. And so it's saying, I, I tell kids all the time, I, j I just want you to know I'm not being judgmental here. I'm just trying to figure out how you think and how I can maybe help you in your process of growing up. And so somebody says, what do we do? She's 18 years old. Well, let me tell you, she's 18. You can't do anything except appeal to the relationship that you have with her. 
it's almost like you've got to start trying to influence her, but now it's on her terms and it's not your terms. I hope I hope that helps a little bit. Uh, it 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 just means that you have to be kinder or gentler in the way that you approach her because it will push her away, and you don't want her to, you know, attach herself to somebody else just to prove to you that she's independent, that she's in control, that she can make decisions. You know, I I, I don't I don't want anybody to do that. And so it may be the appeal is saying, hey, tell us a little bit about this young lady. Hey, tell us a little bit about what you're learning. What's the difference between what we've taught you and what you're learning from her? And approach it in such a way of, of being non-authoritative. Hope that helps. Okay, another question here. Somebody says, um, I, I, my daughter's 15 and I have uh, an ex that's narcissistic and she's anxious and... Dad pays for her to do everything, and I have rules and stuff. I, I hear about it all the time. It's kind of like the Disneyland dad, that that um, sugar daddy that that doesn't hold two rules. And I hear hear this a lot. And it doesn't mean that it's it's not the other way around. It just means that I hear it a lot. And you know, where a mom is is held to keeping the rules and values and structure and responsibilities and and enforcing consequences, and dad kind of just you know does whatever he wants and doesn't pay attention to it. And of course, the kids are going to like the lack of boundaries in the short run. And this is important, mom, because in the long run they'll appreciate you holding to those things. And I, and I think when you said in your question that she's been in counseling for five years, it's a long time to be in counseling. And if she spends most of her time griping about you, I would ask the question, what is it? Are you, are you being too strict? Because, because your measurement of strictness is against somebody who isn't strict at all. And so you're going to look ultra strict. And if there's ways for you to lighten up a little bit, that may help you get to a better place. Are you following me? You can always throw a bigger brick if it's wrapped in humor. You can always have more influence if you spend less time demanding and more time asking. Or you just learn which hill to die on um, and you leave some of the other ones alone. Now, that's, got, that's kind of the benefit of being a little bit older, little gray hair, wrinkles, uh, baggy eyes. <laughs> that's me. Um that you learn what's important and what's not. And and the fact that you're holding to something is wonderful. Ask yourself the question. You can't change your husband, your ex-husband. Uh, you can't really change your kids, but you can change the way that you engage with them. And it may be that, well, if they're complaining and, and it's not working and she's been in counseling for five years, then maybe I need to change something because you can't change everything else. Hope that helps. Here's another question. My son struggles with bipolar and depression. He's 21. Can't keep a job, daily functions, but uh, he has somebody managing his meds, managing his meds, and he self-medicates with pot. And I don't mean to laugh about that. I, you know, here's the thing about a kid who smokes pot: it means they want something different. That th there's something about when a kid comes to us and says, "I've been smoking pot every day." I said, "Well, then that must mean that you're not happy with where you are when you wake up." But you smoke pot to take you somewhere different. So you want something different. You just don't know how to get there. And you think pot's going to get you there. But the problem is pot and during the teen years will help you lose motivation. You won't be focused. You'll um, become dependent on something just to exist. And before you know it, time's going to be passed. And now you're going to be 25 years old, smoking pot, no job, not doing anything. 
And it may be a temporary fix, but there are some long-term effects of that that you need to look at. And so, you know, this question, somebody says, it's been quite difficult for our family. And I I know that it has, because when you have a son that's bipolar and depressed, absolutely. But you may want to come up with a plan about, here's the rules for our home. And if you choose not to be here, then you can't be here. Now, of course... If a child chooses to leave, then you feel guilty that if they do something to themselves, then then it's partly your fault. But you have to ask the question, do we want to continue on the same path we're on and destroy our family, or do we want to make some changes that they initiate, that they use a little bit of discipline? You know, I, I would say that he needs, he needs more help than just meds. He needs to be in counseling somewhere to help him with his bipolar uh, and depression. Because if he's not if he's not getting there because of his meds and he's taking it a step further because of the pot, then evidently the meds aren't working like they want to. I, I hope you can hear what I'm saying. And then I would set up a plan um, to have him leave home at some point. And you subsidize him in some way and you require that he have a job and you keep pushing him to do so all the while maintaining the relationship but tell them, these are, these are some of the things that we want to happen. You can't just sit around and do nothing, smoke pot, and 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 use depression and bipolar as a as an excuse. But it's but let's realize that you have those two things, and let's deal with them effectively because something's not working. And then let's get you to a better place because you're going to have to function. You can't sit at home until you're seventy years old. Here's another question that somebody says: My 15 year old son's alienating himself from friends, and he only wants to spend time playing video games. I can't turn off the internet without him going nuts sometimes, the whole ordeal of taking gaming computer out of his room when I don't want him to be on it. I, I don't know how to get him to obey the gaming times I've set. Okay, here's, just know this, that that 15-year-old boys is a second highest category of suicides in the U.S. 15-year-old girls, suicide is at a 75-year-old 75-year high. 15-year-old guys are stuck. Yeah, they, they, they can't drive yet. They don't have a car. They're frustrated. Um, everybody else is doing stuff. Girls are growing up faster than they are, and they're kind of stuck at home not doing anything. They're lanky. They're awkward. They don't feel like they can compete in sports because they're not big enough yet. I mean, I, I just think it's a tough time, a real tough time. And so what they do is they find an escape, in video games, but they also find purpose, and they find that that uh, that they get along with people, and they're accomplishing the very things that John Eldridge says in his book Wild at Heart that they're all wanting to accomplish, that any man's wanting to accomplish, and 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 Eldridge says this that 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 people want or men want an adventure to live, a beauty to rescue, and a battle to fight. And if that's true, he's finding it in the video games, and it's an escape from the world that he's in. So I wouldn't focus so much now that he's 15, but I would start focusing on when he turns 16, what you're going to do different. And it may be that you get, we're going to buy you a car, but you're going to have to work. And and what you do is fill that time of the day up with something else other than all this free time to play video games. Now, let me give you an example of this. Kids need to spend time eating, right? So they eat and they go to school, right? So there's there's time that's taken up and they got to sleep so much. Here's eight hours. And so all that other time, what are they doing? Well, if you filled it up with a job and they work three, four hours a day, you know, I mean, that's almost 20 hours a week. Now you're filling up time 
so that they get out. And by going out and working somewhere else, they're learning about authority. They're learning how to serve other people because it's usually in food service that that they are doing that. They learn how to take care of messes. They learn about the value of money. Their time is being used up and they're getting off of the video games where temporarily they'll find purpose but ultimately, they're going to find purpose in the way they engage with other people. And so I, hold on, mom and dad, on this one. I mean, hold on. Your kid's going to turn 16 and then make requirements for them to get out of the house and to go do something else. And here's the last question that somebody asked. They said, how much tracking on my daughter's phone uh, should we have? And uh, I would tell you this, that, that you know, it, it, there is something about it, 12, yes, I'm going to be looking at everything. At 18, I'm looking at nothing. And so I don't know. You didn't give me the age, and I have no idea where your daughter is on this. But I know as they get older, we've got to quit invading their privacy for the sake of, of trust. And if everybody tests everybody all the time, then, then, then I think we would maybe all fall short. And, and there's going to be times just because of the normalcy of adolescence that a child's going to say, I'm, I'm here, but I wasn't there, or I'll get in later. They make up an excuse or whatever. And, I, and I'm not excusing the behavior. I'm just saying it's the normalcy of adolescence. I, my parents never, you know, Jane and I, my wife and I, we dated all through high school. Um, they never got on the phone and listened. Um, because it would be an invasion of privacy. And, and what happens is when somebody invades somebody's privacy, then they withdraw all the more and they find ways to hide things uh, and become deceitful. And so you got to give some space, um, you know, for that privacy. And if this is an older daughter that you're asking about, at some point you got to say, I'm not looking anymore. This is all up to you. And you'll know about the relationship. I mean, if if you have a 17-year-old daughter and you're trying to take away your phone, then I go, you're, that, that's, that phone is the connection that that daughter has to uh, other people. And uh, she's not going give, to give that up because she wants to be connected because that's how God created her. And so be careful how you walk with that. And, and uh but, you know, I, I, I think at age 15, 16, you start letting out some of those rules and tracking. Somebody told me their daughter's going off to college and they're tracking her all the time. And I said, you know what? If I was that daughter, this is what I would do. I'd put that phone, leave it in my dorm room uh, and get another phone that mom and dad don't know about. Because that seems a little bit too much for me. So at some point, you've got to wean them from your presence and your tracking so that they become more and more responsible. Hey, I hope, I hope answering these questions have, have helped. Uh, hopefully, the next time I get on, I'm not sitting here wiping my nose and coughing and, and hacking. And, and, uh, and I hope you are staying safe and you are well. And I look forward to answering the next set of questions. I'll come soon. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.